You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to another Winning Plays podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, today we're going to talk about Carson Edwards' preseason eruption against Cleveland. We're going to throw out some Eastern Conference power rankings and maybe an NBA Finals prediction or two. Uh, But first, we're going to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Uh, shout out to CLNS Media for hosting the show. Shout out to betonline.ag for being the best sponsor we've ever had. Um, B Robin and Michael, nice to be on this conference call with you guys again. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm feeling a little a, a little hot after uh, Mr. Edwards' performance last night. So this is gonna be that's gonna be the theme of today's uh, opening trivia question. Okay. So last night, uh, Carson Edwards against the Cavaliers, hit nine three-pointers in the game, but uh, the headline was he hit eight three-pointers. And B-Rob, was it a five-minute stretch in the third quarter? Is that right? Yeah, I think five and change. Five and change. Okay, so here's my trivia question for you guys. Uh, in 108 games at Purdue, uh, how many times did Carson Edwards hit more three-pointers an entire game than he did in the third quarter last night against Cleveland? So how many games in, in 108 games at Purdue did Carson Edwards hit more than eight three-pointers? I'm gonna guess once. I guess zero. So, if if the answer was regular, if the question was regular season games, it would be zero. But the answer is two. He had nine ones. He had ten ones. But what's particularly interesting is those those two games were in the same week, the NCAA, the most recent NCAA tournament. So his last two games, I think, essentially as a college player, Villanova and Virginia, um, were the two games that he that he topped that, which I think is pretty promising moving forward. I don't know if something clicked in those games or that was just that was just his version of beast mode, and that's what he's going to have to carry over into the NBA. But uh, I don't know if you keep shooting like that, uh, it won't be the last time. I feel stupid because I watched both of those games. But maybe you just weren't keeping track of how I, many three pointers. Don't feel stupid. That's okay. understandable. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that was the, what I found was particularly. I mean, obviously, just just the, the sheer numbers were, were unbelievable. But the ways he hit the threes, it was sort of like a potpourri. You know, came off screen, pull ups, just, it just every, every way you can hit a three, he he seemed to make it. I mean, the pull ups are like obviously the most attractive part of it. Just for anyone who's been watching the NBA recently and over the past however many years with Steph and. Harden last season and just being able to create space. So I mean that was like obviously great to see. I don't know how replicable this is or how much it matters going forward because it was a preseason game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But huh. it is it is. I mean, I mean, anytime anybody does that in like any level of basketball, it's it's like ridiculous. No, no. I mean, Brad Stevens said last night he hadn't seen anything like that before, and he's seen a lot of basketball. So, like, that's, again, the, the record for most threes in a quarter in any NBA game is nine. Um, wow. And he came, I think, pretty close to the record. I think 10 is the most 
made an NBA game too. Um, yeah, and we should say really quickly that he launched 45 threes in Las Vegas Summer League in five games and shot 46%. So right, that's pretty good. This is not just a flash in the pan. I have a question for you guys. What percentage of threes did he take this year out of like all his field goal attempts? Like how many, like what, what's the ratio? What was his three-point rate? Yes. Wait, in... The preseason. Oh, in the preseason. preseason. Four preseason games, he took 43 field goal attempts. How many of those do you think were threes? 27. Uh, 30? Close. 31. So that's 72% of his shot attempts. Wow. We're from three-point range, which is just... If you're... Uh, I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that's an accident at all. He's... Again, he his finishing in the rim in college was isn't was pretty lackluster, and obviously that's just going to get tougher uh, facing NBA bigs. But this is a guy who just comes in and knows exactly what he can do. This is where he can get separation, he can find his shots. I mean, he looks. I don't know when's the last time the Celtics just had a guy. I mean, beyond Eddie House is the obvious comparison, but since that, has they have they had a really a guy like this that can you know, just create havoc off the ball, like, and get into, you know, just little windows and get a shot off so quickly. Because this is, I mean, he looks like a veteran. I don't want to make, like, you know, J.J. Reddick comparisons in terms of just how he's getting open. But for he he's just very much in control of that part of his game right now. And the shot release is so quick that there's going to be some ugly nights, but there's also going to be nights like this. It's funny because the shot release is so quick, but I was watching, in watching the, the game and, and the highlight reel, there's still room for improvement because, I mean, when he catches it, he brings it down and then brings it back up, which is actually something that J.J. Reddick's talked about in a recent podcast with Zach Lowe about shot form and and keeping the ball up when you catch it and just letting it go, which is something that Clay Thompson is really good at, and it's why his shot is impossible to block. Um, it's also 6'7". So like, yeah, that helps. Um <laughs> So when I mean Carson Edwards is six one, and so I mean there is still room for, for improvement mechanically, but the release as it is is it's it's it was it's insane like how quick some of those shots were going up. And um, what's really interesting, you know, B Rob, you talked about how he struggles going to the rim, but uh, late in that game, or maybe it was late in the third quarter. I mean, he pump faked and blew by his man because he was 30 feet from the basket and he was crowded and he finished at the rim with an open layup. So uh, obviously when you can shoot from deep, it, it opens up different parts of your game. Yeah, and I, and I, th- and I was kind of impressed with, with the it's talking about Summer League and I, and I only probably saw about half of his, his games there, but I was kind of impressed with the way he finished. He seemed to use his body pretty well, like the way Isaiah Thomas used to, I, the Celtics Isaiah Thomas used to uh, for those couple years, just sort of, body control and just being able to you know use his you know is six one is that the official measurement now because i know they're trying to be a little bit more accurate this year because on, on basketball reference he's at six feet and i wondered if even that was maybe like you know a little generous i but saw six, six one somewhere i don't know that could be wrong six feet sounds right oh uh, you know six six one i'm it says six one on college basketball reference here okay. so maybe that's what it is but i don't know i mean he just looks a little smaller maybe he shrunk um and and it's also one of those things that's like you know that last night was a game where he started last night. Is that is that right? Yeah. Um, and sort of just had you know carte blanche to do what he wanted, and 
you know, he's going to have he's going to have to be more of the Eddie House if, if he's going to contribute once the season actually starts, because, you know, not only is he not going to have the minutes, but he's going to have at least Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward or or, or someone someone out there with him that you might rather be the focal, focal point of the offense. It'll be a sort of a tightrope back between what's too much. But uh, and like you said, Pino, maybe there'll be some bad performances because of that as well. But um, certainly a, a, a fun way to, to sort of get into the, the regular season with a performance like that. Definitely something people are going to have to prepare for now when they're scouting against the Boston Celtics. So real quick, I was texting this morning with a team executive who was at that game last night, and I asked him if he thought that Carson Edwards could or would be in Boston's rotation this season based on that game. And he was a little down on that. Um, He does not believe that Carson Edwards will be in the rotation, but there will be opportunities uh, in five to eight-minute stretches, this gentleman said. especially if they struggle scoring in a particular game. So, I mean, I, I kind of am a little more bullish, and maybe I shouldn't be. I don't know. I mean, it, this team is absolutely loaded uh, with guys who can put the ball in the basket, but I don't know. I mean, if someone can hit pull-up threes like that, I just feel like you have to find some sort of spot for them on the floor, assuming that they're not a total sieve on the defensive end. I mean, and he's not. That's the part of it. Like he, yeah, his size is not there, but he can pressure the ball. He still has a lot of learning to do. I wouldn't call it a strength by any means, but it's it's respect. It's much better than Eddie House's defense ever was. <laughs> um, but I mean, he also has played. The way I look at this in the preseason, he's played significant first half minutes in all these games, even when everyone's been healthy. And he's been play- out there with Kemba. He's been out there with Smart. Like I feel, I mean pretty not super confident but beyond smart i think he'll be the one off the bench that plays the most minutes out of the guards even more than brad wanamaker um just even more than brad wanamaker even more than brad wanamaker (laughs) just based off of again the firepower um because again who else can you who else off the bench can you count on to make threes down that if you look down the bench like it's pretty much no one so i think just for that fact alone um, his value is going to be important there. And when you have him out there with a couple starters, whether it's Kemba or Jalen or whoever, like, and he can kind of fade into the background as a secondary option, but and which will be conducive to getting these kind of looks when you don't have a good defender on him, then that's, again, I think going to make him... He's not going to play 20 minutes every night, but he's definitely going to get his chances. Uh, can we bring up Taco for a minute? You can always, by the way, you can always bring up Taco. (laughs) I mean, he is in the news this week. I feel like he should get a mention just because um, signed to a two-way deal. Um, What do we make of this? I mean, this was the writing on the wall, I feel like, since the preseason opener when the crowd was chanting for him for the whole game. Like, he looked competent enough. Um when he's out on the floor and out of, you know, when you're, he's obviously worth a look at on a two-way deal just to see if you can groom him into someone who can stay on the floor for a couple minutes at a time in his NBA career. Um, But strictly from a business standpoint for the Celtics, they are going to very much take advantage of this. So if you're going to, so when you put all those factors together, like, I I mean, this was, this was just going to happen. 
When you say business standpoint, what do you mean? Like, do you think they, they'll sell more tickets or is it like selling like taco jerseys or all the above? Are they worried about, I mean, didn't Maine already sell out for the season? Like even before they already the ta- saw it, but I think, yeah, but jerseys, I mean, just like the buzz, the taco buzz, like it's, it's real. And I mean, no two way player in NBA history will ever have the level of buzz that he has right now. So like, if you're going to, for a spot <laughs> that usually is, you know, Max Drews is a good player um, and probably will play in, in the NBA somewhere in the next few years. But like, if you're, if you can see the pros and cons of both situations, I mean, I, I believe the front office likes him and they do want, like they do are intrigued by what they can do with him. Like, don't get me wrong on that standpoint, but when you factor in the, the bus standpoint, I think it just, you know, pushes him was the, the over the top factor. Interesting. I think it'll be really fun to see what how they use him. I think Austin Ainge, I saw a clip with him talking about Taco and how they're going to experiment with him in the G League. Um, that should that should be fun to see. I don't I don't I still am obviously not too high on his NBA career, but um, fun. I mean, you should report a piece on exactly the the business incentives, B Rob. I think that would be a really interesting read. Well, it's funny the. All the home red claws games are being televised for the first time this year. Is that right? Funny. Yes. So where are they being televised? But on, on NBC's yes, NBC Sports Boston. The, Interesting. So that is a lot of Romeo Langford. A lot of Romeo Langford. A lot of Taco, um, and a lot of. Uh, I think we should bring this guy up, uh, Tremont Waters, uh, who last night. Uh, the Celtics' other two-way deal went for you know Carson Edwards got all of the limelight as he should with that performance, but he went for twenty-four and seven last night in twenty-nine minutes. Um, has generally been uh, pretty good all preseason and through summer league as well, like Edwards. And just talking to CC behind the scenes, they've been really high on him. They don't know how they got him at fifty-one in the first place, but they were stacked to get it. Uh, at that spot in the draft and I don't know I think he might be a guy you know he's on a two-way for now but as far as this team needing just like the the Shane Larkin defensive you know speedy guard factor that can kind of you know disrupt uh other speedy guards uh that Marcus Smart might have trouble with on a given night I think he might eventually like play his way on being active on this team more often than not if uh he keeps this up really so that no, go ahead, Rich. I say so that that you, that's his identity. You think? Because I, I look at him and I see five eleven, one seventy five on the, uh, you know that that doesn't look to me as like a defensive stopper. But that that's what you think he can be in the NBA. Yeah, I think that'll be his primary. I mean, he's got good feel anyway in the offensive end, and his I mean his jump shots if he, um, but no, he's I mean he's going to be a def- defensive disruptor. He's going to get against you know like last year he would have been guarding Kemba Walker in those games where the Hornets torched the Celtics, I feel like, um, in the pick and roll at the end of the game. Like, the Celtics didn't really have a guy to put on the quick guards last year, and that burned them. Um, and I feel like that's his eventual, that's going to be his role in this league, um, you know, off the bench. When he was drafted, I tweeted that the Celtics just drafted Fred Van Vliet, and that's kind of like a best-case scenario here, a guy who you you develop in your G League program who has obvious talents and you eventually are able to integrate him 
in as like a third or maybe fourth guard and he's able to grind his way into a regular spot like that's it's not out of the realm of possibility it's crazy to see he's older than jason tatum that is well, yes most yeah. of these rookies are right uh carson edwards grant williams and langford so those three rookies are the only guys that are that are younger than Tatum and Carson Edwards. They were born like in the same week, March 12th and March 3rd. So I guess not the same week, same month, let's say. Um, but yeah, but so he, and he's only a couple months uh, older than Tatum, but still, but I, and I, and I think in a way you're like, all right, he doesn't have the experience, but he does maybe have a little bit of that maturity where, you know, he could hopefully step in and, 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 and give him something. Like I said, if the Celtics are, are counting on Tremont waters too much this year, uh, I, I think it'll be a pretty disappointing season. Um, but at least yeah. maybe the it, Shane Larkin role, like it's like they weren't relying on Shane Larkin, but it was until until Shane until... Larkin went down, and then that was the reason that they right. lost the lost the cast. It was just like yeah. I think this is this is the the Brad Stevens I want to see back this year, which I think we're going to get. Um, is just the mixing and matching on like certain nights you're going to look down the bench and bring in the the twelfth or thirteenth guy because he can you know, slow up the point guard, or if he's Carson Edwards, he can, you know, score in a hurry or distract the defense enough to open up things for other guys, or, you know, whether it's, or if it's, you know, obviously Cantor, like the center rotation is what it is. That's going to be moving parts every night, but we didn't see as much mixing and matching last year uh, for obvious reasons, but it's back this year. And I feel like, um, you know, Waj could be part of that equation eventually when he's not in main auto, like him versus like, do you guys see the value? Would you rather have him getting his reps here than Maine over someone like Brad Wanamaker? Or do you feel like you just want him to get all the experience in Maine this year and then obviously be ready, you know, in a year or two for maybe a bigger role? I think the latter for me. I want, I want his reps in, in the G League, running an offense there and working on different parts of his game. That I mean, I, I'm not an expert on his skill set, but working on the parts of his game that are weaknesses and turning them into serviceable areas. Um, I think that, you know, game experience in the G League would could help him do that. Yeah, and the beauty of it now is that you really can do, do a little bit of both, you know, and, I, and I'm looking back now and, you know, two years ago, the Celtics had 15 different players start a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, they had 13 different players uh, start a game. So, you know, over the course of the long season, especially, like we've said, after Kemba and, and, and Marcus Smart, you don't have many guys on this team that can really, you know, run offense, almost like handle the ball consistently, you know? Uh, so I think I wouldn't be shocked if he does, if, if Waters does get a chance or two uh, at different parts of the year. But, you know, I think we might, I think it's a, a year or two before the Fred Van Vliet uh, shows himself <laughs> on the Celtics, I think. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh one last guy to touch on out of the rookie, Grant Williams. Um, I only bring this up because I feel like him and Shemi were the ones battling for back a minute to the four this year uh, off the bench. And I don't know. It's I feel like Grant Williams is. I mean, Shemi's gonna has the experience and has the defense, so he's he's gonna get the nod. I feel like out of the gate, but. From a strictly uh, production standpoint, especially on the offensive end, it was uh, Williams shot 41% from three this preseason, 
you know, small sample size learner, obviously. Uh, Shemi had a pretty rough offensive preseason. Um, 33% from the field, 22% from three. Um, just not, you know, being more aggressive, but it not translating there. Where I just think Grant, Grant Williams is a better player. Like, right. So do you want so, to do you want to see those get those minutes right away, Mike? Like, just I don't I don't see why not. I mean, I guess as a the coaching staff will probably take it on a case by case by case matchup by matchup basis. But I just think Grant Williams is a better basketball player. He greases your offense. He's really smart on defense. Um, I I I I don't see why uh, he shouldn't be getting the minutes and the opportunity. He's I think he's I think he's ready for it. Yeah, and I think for a while we talked about like Yabu versus Shemi and like who was going to sort of emerge as the as the survivor of that crew. And obviously this rookie class, you know, already bumped Yabu out of out of out of town. And I think I think Shemi's Shemi's next. You know, I think could, I think he's got to show a lot a lot early, or he will be lost in the shuffle. Do you think there's any way that he gets dealt in the next couple of weeks, Shemi? Oh, for sure, yeah. To just I mean, open up. I mean, obviously you have Javante Green and Max Struess, who both had solid preseasons. You only have room for one right now. Um, who in the league is uh, starving for Shemi Ojale right now? I mean, the Sixers should take him for Giannis defense backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's going to face the Bucks could use Shemi at the end of the bench, I feel like. Yeah, maybe. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean no, if he was that good at it, then the Celtics, then he would have a, a role on the Celtics. But um, right, I mean, you're not getting more than a second round pick from him, even if you get that. Um, but it is the the roster crunch here will be interesting um, in the next week to see if they do try to, you know, because someone, you know, Green and I mean, Javante Green seems to have I don't know about like I don't know if you guys care about this but he seems to have earned the 15th roster slot in my mind um just for athleticism and you know being able to be better defensive wing options since it seems like Romeo Langford is going to be in Maine I feel like or it just isn't I mean we haven't seen enough of him to know if he's really ready or not to do anything but you know as far as wing depth at the end of the bench like Green seems like a a better option than even Ojale right now for most nights. Yeah. Well, on that note, maybe we should uh, transfer over to the uh, our Eastern Conference preview. Or we're gonna. Well, before wait. that, before that, let me just remind you guys that football season is in full swing. Of course. Um, yes, uh, and you get you two specifically, B. Rob and Michael Pina, and all our listeners. Uh, can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Uh, sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional football. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. Uh, they also have uh, prop bets, which we always like to talk about. Uh, you can have who will the next uh, NFL coach to be fired, because I think the Redskins fired um, their other Gruden. Uh, you can still bet on when the Dolphins will win their first game. Uh, get the fastest to market odd updates and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today, or you can just use your mobile device to join. Use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, yeah, so what we're going to do is 
Are we? Do, do we? Do we want to do uh, the fifteen teams in the East? Or we just want to do the playoff teams. Maybe we should go fifteen. Let's do fifteen. It'll be quick and easy at the at the. I guess I was going to say the top, but the bottom. Right. So we'll we'll start with our 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 worst, the worst team in the Eastern Conference, the fifteenth best team, which we can probably assume is that going to be the worst team in the in the league. Yeah. Yeah, Phoenix is probably going to be pretty terrible, but uh, but, but yeah, this, at, <laughs> this team will be also very very bad. And we're all talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Is that correct? That is the team I have. No, I'm going to Cavs after the last couple games. They, Over the preseason? They look like they have no idea. Like the, they're both going to be terrible, don't get me wrong. But the young guys on the Cavs, they just don't play any defense. And uh, Kevin Love is going to probably stop trying after game five. Um, and yeah. The- they do have Michael Pena's favorite player, Tristan Thompson, though. No, I was about to say. I mean, they're about to get Gordon Hayward. Like, did you factor that? <laughs> I in mean, there? that's true. That 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 could get him up to you know the middle of the lottery. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, for in my mind, I mean, we can kind of lump. I feel like we should lump the bottom four teams together here, since it's pretty interchangeable between Charlotte, Cleveland, the Knicks, and the Wizards. I feel like that's like, you know, what order they go in will be, you know. D- decided on who wants to tank the most at the end of the year probably but that's, that's and that doesn't a, even matter anymore because of the, re, the the tank reform so right or at least it isn't right well, now isn't it the bottom th- the bottom the, three of the yeah. same odds yeah exactly. so who cares so so i'll give you guys my 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 first four or, or last four i went charlotte at 15 the wizards at 14 the Cavs at 13 the knicks at 12 and then like you said b we can we could we could debate the, the merits of those selections. No way. The Knicks were definitely 13, right? What the hell? It just it just seems that the Knicks, I mean, at least they're, they're bringing in some guys that uh, it seem like they'll be competitive, whether it's Marcus Morris or Bobby Portis. And uh, Julius Randle, I think, is one of those guys who can be, you know, just good enough to make a shitty team a little less shitty, but never make them great. I, I you know can't what I mean? wait for the Knicks campaign. The Julius Randle is an all-star campaign. I, <laughs> I, I cannot wait. I'm, I'm going to be covering that. It's going to be absolutely tremendous. But Rich, I actually had the exact same order, Ooh. which is kind of weird. Oh, they have Alfred Payton now too, the Knicks? Yeah, don't get, have, please don't get excited. Come they have on. every single like borderline mid-level guy you could imagine on their roster. And then borderline two old power forward with Taj Gibson. Portis, Taj Gibson, yeah, great. Mook. Do you guys think Mook's gonna have fun this year? <laughs> Honest question. Uh, he's gonna get shots, and then he's gonna get traded. That I mean, that's isn't that clearly what's gonna happen here? He's also gonna get fifteen million dollars, which which will which will help. But I think he might be a guy that like the angrier he is, like secretly like the happier he is. You know, <laughs> maybe he'll he'll I think he'll thrive in the chaos a little bit in New York City. Um, but yeah, and then they have, the, you know, they got, uh, they still Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox and RJ Barrett, which is, you know, really their entire future at this point that they're banking yeah. on. And Dennis Smith Jr. They, man, this, I'm, I'm glad I put the Knicks as, uh, as the, as the, the best 12th, of that. That's a fight team. Seed. Yeah. The, oh, Reggie Bullock. Can't forget him. Um, Wade Ellington. Let's just read all the players on the team. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, going on from there, I have three teams that are kind of in the same tier that maybe you guys, there might be a little bit of disagreement, but I'm just going to go ahead and read these three, 11, 10, and 9. 11, I have Chicago, 10, Atlanta, 9, the Detroit Pistons. Yep, flip-flop uh, Chicago and Atlanta for me, but that's, that's mm-hmm. what I had. 
I went Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago as nine. So we we got the same three, which is nice. Um, so those so those are the three teams that as you know as the year goes on, maybe you know I feel like Detroit every year somehow they're within a couple of games of the playoffs by the that used to be Charlotte's role, uh, but now it'll be the Pistons for another year or so. Um, Unless they like, trade Blake, right? That's true. Um, Atlanta seems to be a year away from being you know a little closer to the playoffs. I see. Yeah, the Bulls though. That's that's a real. I don't know if we call it wild card. That could be another team that's like like the like the T Wolves of a couple of years ago, where people jump the gun and think that they're a little better than they are before they are. But there's a lot of young talent on that team. There's legitimate talent too. I mean, they have Thad Young, Otto Porter, Saturansky. Uh, I love Sadoransky. Uh, Zach Levine gets buckets, and this could be slash should be the breakout season for Laurie Markkinen. So, yeah, I'm pretty high on Chicago too. I think they have a nice blend of everything, and you know the coach is a little bit of a question mark, and we'll see what type of style they embody. A little bit of a but... question mark. <laughs> <laughs> he's saying the right things recently, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean he's he's. If you have to point to a reason why you don't think Chicago is going to break through, that's it. But uh, a lot of talent here. Um, they seem to be going in the right direction for the first time in a long time. So, so yeah. But I mean, I still think that I don't I, like. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs. To be honest with you, but I don't expect it to happen. I uh, one unnamed executive involved the Bulls was happy with a high thirties win total for this group. So I guess that, as far as expectations go, maybe that's good enough to make the playoffs, but probably not in the East. Um, but yeah, I think we we pegged them in the right range there. Yeah, they have, they have intriguing upside. And last year they won twenty two, so that would that would yeah, be a, I mean, that's a sizable increase for them right. there. Um, all right, let's go to the the playoffs here. I think this is when uh, things will get mixed up a little all bit right, more. Let's go. Let's go team by team here. Okay. So I'm gonna go first with eight. Um, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Ooh. Do you have Orlando at seven? Just real quick. We're going team by team. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, I have I have Orlando at, at eight, but you keep, get, talk about talk about the Nets for a little bit there. I mean, look, it's they 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 upgrade talent wise at the point guard position, D'Angelo to Kyrie. They lose a lot of the veterans who kind of held that locker room together last season when the. You know, things were going off the rails. I don't think a lot of people remember, but it, it was looking like there were going to be changes in along the coaching staff. Trades were going to be made. They were going to tank. And then it just kind of all gelled in, I think it was like mid-November, late November, and they reeled off eight straight after losing eight straight or something like that. I'm probably getting my numbers all wrong here from going off memory, but um, so they had that, and then... I don't know, like, you have a lot of energy, a lot of expectations, even though Kevin Durant is probably not going to play this season. Uh, I could just see it being troublesome with fitting someone like Kyrie Irving in. I mean, we have uh, here, we saw up close the, you know, the detrimental impact he can have on a locker room. And... Uh, for an organization that is, you know, they clearly have a way they want to go about doing things and how much will they and how much will Kenny Atkinson sacrifice that culture uh, for the appeasement of Kyrie Irving and the way that Kyrie wants to play. So I think all of that could, you know, we could see some growing pains here. 
Um, you know, I think talent-wise, they are really good and better than an eight seed. With I think Karis Lavert could be knocking on the door of an All Star appearance. I like Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. I like Jared Allen a lot. Um, Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Torian the God. Um, yeah, they have a lot of really. They have good quality NBA players. Um, but I don't know. I'm just down on it. Just. Uh, balance wise i could see it getting a little messy and then if there is struggle and you add that onto the expectations heading in that are uh, in my opinion a bit unearned uh i feel like the wheels could come off yeah i got him yeah. as the six seed uh it's the Kyrie honeymoon period I, I everything you said is valid mike but it's the Kyrie honeymoon period um i expect him to be on good behavior in year one and there's enough continuity talent elsewhere there where I think they are, you know, make a slight improvement from last year and, uh, you know, finish with wins in the mid, mid 40s. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is they only did finish 42 and 40 last year. I kind of thought that they had been a little bit better. But I agree with you somewhat with the, uh, with the honeymoon period, B Rod. And that's why I had Brooklyn at seven instead of eight. I think I, I would not be shocked if the first month or so they come out looking really good. I just, you know, with, with what we know about Kyrie, just physically, right? And at this stage, and you know, not that he's he's old, but you know, he's 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 played his fair share. He's going to be twenty eight this year. He's played a bunch of bunch of seasons already. Um, I just think when it comes down to it, when it's February, when it's especially March, and KD is not coming back, and he sees that he's killing himself every night for like a six seed. I just don't know. Sort of like you know, LeBron kind of shut it down a little bit at the end of last year. I wouldn't be surprised for for Ky- if Kyrie is like, you know what, we this whole organization is better suited if I get ready for when KD comes back next year, and they kind of let this season slip away a little bit. So I think I, I agree with both of you a little bit. Um, and I have the Nets as my seventh. I have the Magic at at eight if we want to talk about them a little bit. Okay. Um... Yeah, let's let's talk about the magic. Um, I actually have the. Do magic. we have to? <laughs> I have the magic at four. Woo! Um, yeah, I know why. Because you think Jonathan Isaac is gonna I absolutely. Love, I, I love Jonathan Isaac a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I I think we talked about this in a previous episode. I personally just think that they're built to roll through a regular season. They have continuity. They have. Um, a mentality that is uh, that lives on the defensive side of the ball, and that's how they're going to play, and that carries over from night to night. So, um, I think their consistency will do them good, uh, and I think that you know a little bit of an improvement from Aaron Gordon on the offensive end could go a long way here. Uh, you know, they obviously have a lot of weaknesses, particularly at the point guard position, and Markel Fultz is a big question mark, but. I don't know. I, I I just like their DNA right now as a really like a plucky uh, like team that knows what it is. Yeah, I have them at seven. Um, they're a team that just you know they the def, they'll be good defensively. I'm worried about them on offense. I don't you know Fultz still I feel like is going to be uh, not a train wreck, but not give them much on a nightly basis um, on that in the floor and then. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, Aminu, again, will help them defensively, but he's uh, kind of obviously inconsistent with his shooting. And, yeah, I think the East is going to be better this year, um, at least in the playoffs. So they will, 
you know, kind of settle into, they'll be in contention for like a higher seed, but I don't think they have. Wait, you think the East is better this year? Um, in terms of balance? Yes. Like in the playoffs picture, like I think there's like maybe not the the top, but I just think, you know, three through eight, they're going to be better teams there than last year. Interesting. I think if uh, if Orlando is to sneak into into the four seed, first of all, I, I'm a little nervous about a, a Vucevic coming back to earth a little bit. Or you know, I, I was I was big on him having a contract year last year. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up what he did. But if if the Magic are in that position, I think then Ter- Terrence Ross will be probably one of the candidates for six man of the year. I think that's going to they have a lot riding on him, as, especially when you talk about offensively. Uh, I think it was B Rob who said that. You know, he's the guy that's going to have to come in and just be what Carson Edwards was last night every once in a while, or even more consistently than that. He averaged 15 points a game last year off the bench um, and might have to get up into 17 or so for them to really make that leap. Yeah, he was. Uh, they were very healthy last year too, and that, you know, you can't always, can't always count on that. Is Bomba ready? Is he going to be a factor? No. He, he got a haircut. Yeah, right, I that's... trust you didn't watch Friday night's game. No, did, he, he... did he even play? Oh, he started because <clears throat> Vucevic sat out. And the Celtics opened up the game on a twenty-one to two run. Um, uh, did Ken Birch play? Yep. Not I much, like Ken Birch. But, he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's Ken Birch good. should be playing more than Bamba, but he obviously won't be at least to start the year. Um, so that won't help them either, I don't think. Um, I have a I have a surprise number eight seed for myself. I don't think we should talk about them much, but um, Indiana Pacers. Uh, I respect are my that. eighth. I Oladipo, I don't think is going to be back for a while, and they lost a lot of offense uh, in Thad Young and Bogdanovich and Collison. I like Malcolm Brogdon. I'm not crazy about the other guys they added. Um, it's a lot of new pieces, and they were pretty garbage without Oladipo last year. So I think they're going to be around 500 most of the year. I have the Pacers at seven, so I agree. Uh, we had to do this over-under thing at SB Nation a couple weeks back, and I jumped on the Pacers under. I like What is it? It's like 46? Wow. Yeah. Uh, no Oladipo until Lord knows when, and then when he gets back, he's gonna. there's going to be an adjustment period. I mean, I like Brogdon too, but Brogdon... In the situation he was in in Milwaukee is a lot different from the situation he'll be in with the Pacers uh, as the starting point guard who does not have you know a Chris Middleton, let alone a Giannis Antetokounmpo, to divert the defense's attention. Uh, and then just positionally, I think there's a lot of overlap with Sabonis and Miles Turner. I'm not really breaking any news there. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I love TJ Warren. I think that's a really good addition. And if he passes the ball as well as he did in the two uh, games against the Sacramento Kings in India that I saw, then that'll be a really interesting addition. And I feel like he can do a lot of the things that Bogdanovich did. But Bogdanovich also averaged over 20 points per game efficiently after Oladipo went down. So maybe not. Um, and, you know, I... I, I this team is going to live and die in its defense, uh, and they lost that young too. So, not high on the Pacers. Yeah, and something very strange. This will be one of the stupidest things I've ever said in this podcast, which is saying a lot. But they have they have three guys named TJ on the Pacers. How weird is that? Oh yeah, TJ name? McConnell. 
TJ McConnell, TJ Leaf, and TJ Warren. TJ Leaf. Wow. <clears throat> Um, and Warren, I, you know, it's funny because you look at you look at his numbers in Phoenix. He averaged 18 points a game last year. He averaged 19.6 the year before. He just can't stay healthy. He's, you know, he's he's never played more than 66 games in a season. Um, never played and, a meaningful game either. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you know, Bogdan was or Boyan was uh, was playing meaningful games since he was probably 13 years old overseas. So um, it's a different it's a it's a different beast. But yeah, I had I had the Pacers at five, but I. Uh, already regret that. I, I, I think you guys <laughs> are right. You know, it's one of those things. I think that they always play hard. There's, they got a, they have a, a nice home court advantage. Um, you know, Indiana basketball or everyone to call mm-hmm. it. But um, I would not be shocked if this is a little bit of a down year. I mean, and it, maybe it depends a lot on on Miles Turner as well. You know, I don't, I don't know if he. I, I expect him to be better. I don't know if he's better to the point where he can really carry a team. But. Um, or maybe they have to find a way to play those two guys together. You know, we talk about that overlap, and like you said, uh, Pino, we've talked about this a bunch, but it doesn't seem outrageous that Sabonis and Turner, especially when Turner can can play outside the arc, he's he's got range. Uh, it doesn't seem outrageous that these guys would be able to play together, but but for now, uh, it certainly is is an issue. The fact that he didn't earn crunch time minutes with Team USA, Turner, like most nights, told me what I need to like. Like he's not going to be a He's not a viable one or two option. The Spurs are not going to trade for Miles Turner. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, all right, Mike. What's where? Where do you at next year? So uh, well, who six. did? What, what was your seven? B Rob. So seven was Orlando for me. Okay. So we we covered them, and then six was Brooklyn. So we've talked about my bottom three teams already here. Um, my six is the Miami Heat, and right with you. Yeah, I I'm I've I love Jimmy Butler. I think this is a wonderful fit for him. Uh, he's the only All Star on this team, and his usage in the preseason has been really low, which is interesting. But I I, I expect that to spike up a little bit. And you know, just look at the, the the pieces around this team. Obviously, they're primed for a trade with the expirings of Dragic and. You know, there's other tradable contracts on the roster, uh, so we could see them adding an influx of talent besides Jimmy at some point. But um, Bam Adebayo looks like he's going to have a breakout year. Uh, the rookie out of Kentucky, whose name I'm blanking on, which is not like the super great sign. Ty- Tyler Herra. Yes, I mean he looks good. I- I've seen a little bit of him. He looks like a real NBA player. Like. He can shoot, obviously, but the way he handles the ball and, and snakes pick and rolls. And, Celtics really wanted him. I mean, he looks he looks like he's going to have a very long, very good career. Can you imagine if they got him at fourteen too, on top of like all the other guys instead of instead of or Romeo? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a dagger, right? Yeah. I will say that uh, Eric Spolstra came out either yesterday or sometime this week and said that Harrow has a long way to go on defense. So I don't know if that's sort of a uh, a clue as to some struggles that he might have staying on the court. That's but, right. Uh, but yeah, he he certainly offensively looks like he's a star already. I, and and I don't know, like Mike Miller comes to mind. That's obviously you know some other reasons. But um, I, I just uh, yeah, he's he, he's legit. But but you look at the rest of their roster, and I'm looking at it now, especially after like scanning through teams like the Knicks and some of the names we threw out. But you know we got, we got Justice Winslow. You know like Myers Leonard showed a little bit in Portland last year. James Johnson and Dion Waiters, Kelly Olynyk. You know, I, I don't. I, the depth certainly isn't there. 
I mean, I don't, I've never even heard of half. It's like major league. I haven't heard of half the guys on, on, on this roster. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's, a, that's a lot riding on Jimmy because without Jimmy, uh, they quickly joined that bottom four. I actually like their depth. That's funny that you say that, like relative to other teams, if you just look at benches, they're like, look at the Sixers bench, for example, or look at what the Bucks well, the Sixers have right bench now. sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I cherry picked on that one. Um, but no, I mean, they, they, like they're they're solid NBA players, and we know what they are. Like that's how I look at a lot of these guys. And I also think again, like there's gonna be, like I would be shocked if this roster is the same roster um, after the trade deadline. Like I think that they are primed to make a significant move. I don't know exactly what that's gonna be, but they have the contracts to get something very interesting done. And. Um, yeah, just, th- but like, just thinking on the fly, like, and I, I don't have an answer either. But like, who are some? Who's a guy they could bring in? The, like Chris Paul? Is that is that really is that still their number one target? You think? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of problems with doing that in terms of like your cap flexibility going forward. But uh, and that's why I assume a deal hasn't been done already. Um, but yeah, I mean Chris Paul's there. Uh, like I I honestly don't know. I like Lowry. It, Lowry is Ooh. a really good call. Yeah, Lowry's a good call. Um, I think Minnesota should go after Kyle Lowry, personally. I think that's that's necessary. Um, Probably. But, he, they've used all their draft picks, so they literally have, like, nothing yeah. to trade outside of Winslow. Yeah. I, I mean, like, if – I don't like, what about uh, – you know, I, I – this is – I don't know how bold this is, but I expect – I expect, like – in Phoenix, Devin Booker is going to be really upset this season. And I can see him ruffling a lot of feathers in that organization, getting really frustrated. He's still and, got like four years left. Hey, man, you got James Jones making the decisions. James Jones and Pat Riley obviously have a really deep relationship. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying something like that could happen. Send Goran back to Phoenix with some picks. Like, let's let's get this done. They don't have any picks. They used them all. <laughs> um. All right, let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. What's who do you have? I have, I mean, I have Heat. I guess I'll talk about them now. I have Heat at four. I like them a lot. Um, really? Yeah. Why Why do you like them that much? I like Spo. I like the the Jimmy fit there, and then you just look like the Def pieces. Like they can really get after it defensively. They have some really good lineups there, and. Harrow should be able to contribute right away. I still like Drogic, even though he's probably going to be coming off the bench. So it's just when there's talent, there hasn't been talent there in the last couple of years. There still isn't great talent, but there's you have a top dog now, and you have your supporting younger pieces fit a little better there. And yeah, I just putting that together, I think it'll be close. I think they'll be close to Toronto and Brooklyn in that mix, but I expect them to get home court. Goran Dragic will be uh, 34 years old by the by the time the playoffs roll around. I take man's it. getting up there. Um, all right, so let's keep it going. Uh, we'll do some speed round here for the rest of these teams until we get to the, the top. Um, I think we're there. Yeah. Well, I'm at uh, number five for me is the Raptors. Um, if you just look at their regular season record last year without Kawhi, it's pretty pretty impressive i think they was like one over 80 percent of those games or 70 percent of those games and you have the familiarity factor the continuity factor i don't like the random 
end of the bench pieces they brought in, but they still should have enough talent there uh, in the East to, you know, just sit in this range and have a respectable title defense unless uh, Masai decides he wants to blow things up. I have the Raptors at five. Um, yeah, I, I, I echo a lot of what you just said, B-Rob. It's a championship team. They lost, you know, the best player in the league. No big deal. Um, but, uh, you know, replacing him, with, I think OG Ananobi is going to is gonna bounce back. He had a really bad second season. Pascal is going to be better. Um, they'll probably have I, – I can I, – I think that the Lowry extension is – you know, a win-win for them because it, it makes it more a more attractive trade ship, and I do think that he's going to have to be traded, which is really sad for them. But I think that that's going to have to that's going to have to happen. Um, so I have them five. You know, in the event that they do not trade Lowry, and even if they do, I think Fred VanVleet is obviously more than capable of sliding in and being an effective player for them throughout the regular season. Uh, they just know what they are again. Like I think teams that know what they are and how they want to play and. Um, they obviously have experience playing and having a lot of success without Kawhi last year during all that load management stuff. Um, so, yeah, fifth seed seems like a good spot for them. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that an NBA champion could sneak up on some people this year, but I think they have an opportunity to do that. Just with, without Kawhi, people, a lot of people are going to be selling them short, and they're still going to, they've still got a lot of pride. You know, they, 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 if anything, they almost have a bigger chip on their shoulder now that, that Kawhi left, and they're going to want to come out and play every night, which when we're talking about playoff seeding and we're talking about the you know, 82 games in the NBA, sometimes that's enough just to, just to come, up, come out and show up every single night. Um, and I think uh, they they have a, the core, you know, minus minus number one is is pretty solid. And I know you guys or Pina, you hate Hollis Jefferson, right? Hate's a strong word. I just Fine. don't you, think you, he's you, an you NBA don't feel player. Great. Yeah, right. You don't think he's an NBA player? No, I don't. Oh wow, because I, th- I think he could maybe fit in well in in in, in little spurts on that squad. But yeah, the the, the, the I had them as my four. Um, I think that might pull out some home court advantage but at the same time if things go crazy and end up uh selling off everybody that that changes but for now i think that their 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 consistency with their with their rotation everything minus Kawhi, and like you said b-rob because they had the experience playing without him so much last year I, and plus just the, the mentality of the defending champions who no one is giving any credit i think that 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 might power them a little bit at least for the first half of the season yeah uh I mean, I don't want to speed through the next three, but I mean, we've talked obviously a ton about this, and there's really no drama. I don't think. Um, I have three Celtics. Do you guys all agree with that? Yes. Yes, yeah. sir. And we obviously talk about the Celtics a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, for two, I have the Bucks. Do you guys wow. have Bucks or Sixers? I have Bucks as one. Bucks are my one as well. Okay, um, I guess I'll just make the case for Sixers. This one is, I, I, I mean, their bench is really bad. Um, I guess it's more about like when I look at the Sixers, they added Horford, they added Richardson, um, they lost some key pieces too. But I like just the makeup of this team, and I think young players like Simmons and Embiid will only be better. Uh, Tobias Harris is there. Um, he exists, and he's not terrible. <laughs> um, I look at the Bucks, and I just see a team that, you know, they lost Malcolm Brogdon, and I have no faith in any of the guys who are replacing him for an entire regular season. I have, 
I'm a little skeptical about Eric Bledsoe and what his psyche will be like throughout this season. And they just don't have a lot of shot creators. Um, Brogdon is just huge for them in so many different ways. And, you know, we'll see how much better Giannis is. I, I don't know how much better he can get with his skill set. Uh, you know, the jumper can be better and he can be a smarter defender, I guess. But how you build on the strengths that he already flexed last year is going to be I, like, I don't know. I don't know how much that moves the needle. Like they're already really good, but I, I don't know how much that moves the needle going forward. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it's possible that come April, we're having this conversation that I might pick the the Sixers over the Bucks like in a playoff series. I just think right now, and so I'm starting day one, I know Bledsoe's going to start the season a little bit late with the rib injury and, and a few other things, but I just think that, that Giannis carries the, carries this team for for a while, if not if not the whole season. To, to, to I don't know if we say greater heights, but I just think that the 76ers have a lot more work to do before they find their their happy place with this new roster and this new lineup and this just the chemistry and all that. I think that they're in for a, a little a little bit of trouble. So that's why I just think when it comes to seeding uh, and the standings at the end of the year, I just I think the Bucks are gonna gonna have a few more wins than Philly. Yeah, I would agree with that from the continuity factor. But yeah, I as far as a playoff matchup goes, at that point, I, like you said, Rich, I think I'll could very well be willing to flip flop. Um, as far as who I like there. But uh, that'll put a bow on this one uh, as we ready ourselves for the uh, opener between the Seas and the Sixers next Wednesday night. We'll be back with you guys uh, next week to react to that one and everything else around the league. But um, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys when we have some, some real hoops to talk about. Ready for a new season.